Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David, as always. Really great episode, info-packed. This week we have Patrick of Canopy Boulder, one of the founders of Canopy Boulder. Uh, it's an icy news, so we get into the hot topics of the day like we've been doing every other week. I went out to Boulder to his beautiful office to interview uh, both him for this icy news you're gonna see now, plus a couple other episodes with current companies in the, in the current cohort. Uh, we get into some really great topics. Uh, we get in a little update on how he's doing and how he's sort of moved up the chain and investing in later stage companies as well, as well as ancillary and hemp CBD based companies. Uh, but I have to say, uh, for an IC News, for this show, it has a little bit of a dark tint uh, because it's such tough, tough times in the cannabis industry right now. Nobody's getting paid. A lot of people are getting laid off. Uh, founders are scrambling to survive. And over and over again, I hear from founders how they need to raise more money. Can you help me raise more money? They're giving up far too much equity. They're giving up that piece that's so important that you grind and you sweat for and, and you sacrifice. It's for the future. You, that's the only reason you're in this game as a founder. Uh, and, and most of the time, this gap is met with debt. Uh, in, in every other industry, most successful companies, they, they run on some degree of debt. Um, but in the cannabis industry, as you know from watching this show, everything's all messed up. There's no banking, there's no small business loans, the government's not involved, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, well, I'm happy to announce that there are other solutions out there, and we've created a new partnership with a great company called Bespoke Financial, and they lend specifically for short-term cash needs. So the reason your company's failing, it may not be your fault, which is incredibly frustrating. You're, maybe your partners aren't paying you. The dispensary isn't paying you. The whole supply chain is all messed up. So what Bespoke Financial does is once you issue an AR invoice, an accounts receivable invoice to anyone, then Bespoke Financial will lend directly against that AR invoice. This is an amazingly simple but very creative strategy that I think can really help a lot of struggling companies get through this little bridge time without giving away too much of the company, without raising and giving up too much equity. Anyway, if you are in this situation, you should at least check it out. Go check out Bespoke Financial. Go talk to Judson. Shout out Judson. Thank you for supporting independent media, guys. All right, let's get back into the episode with Patrick of Canopy Boulder. It's a great one. I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Tune in. Listen up. Get acquainted. No. Beautiful. Glad to have you here. Yeah, I interviewed a couple fantastic companies mm -hmm. of yours before mm -hmm. this. Thanks. Those episodes will be coming out. But the overwhelming takeaway for me is that they have a lot of revenue already. <laughs> I thought yeah. you guys were an incubator. Yeah, you know, um, as the industry's grown and um, you know, it's easier to get some traction, some, some early traction. But then there are also companies that you know they are doing great and they've launched, and then they're. They're, they start thinking to the next three to five years and 
They want help in sort of building a stronger business foundation or a strategic plan or some they're like, hey, I'm going to hit this point where I need to raise a million dollars and I don't have the connections. I don't I keep pitching and I get I don't get call back. Because like, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's a lot. It's hard. a very specific skill. It yeah. is. Mm-hmm. It is. So, you know, we work in all those areas. Right. And we have our standard program, but we also work with each team to think about work with them while they're here and beyond on what do they need to get done right so everybody every founder's different every team's different they have different things they need to work on so we definitely spend time doing that as well and see one of the reasons i love interviewing people like you is you've been in the industry a long time mm-hmm. we we met originally golly 2015 yeah Probably. 2015, maybe. Yeah. And you did Elevate. Uh-huh. You spoke at oh, Elevate. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was in awesome. 2016. It was so fun, right? Yeah. I'm thinking about doing one again. Yeah. This year in LA. Well, somewhere. it was, it, well, you know, uh, we should talk about that. Yeah. I really need the operational help. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't have time to do the nuts and bolts. You yeah. Know? You know, there's one of the things that we've been doing, and it was really partially inspired by the Elevate conference, is doing these sort of either super low cost or free conferences and seminars mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry. And we did one in New York uh, last fall, mm-hmm. and it was just, it was a, like an activation, yeah. you know, for the cannabis entrepreneurial community in New York, which is, you know, a big big market but there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are hungry which for is exactly and, what we did in Oakland yeah. in 2016 and it was people an come up to me all the time and they're like I met my first investor I met my co-founder and I was like I was just high I was just like <laughs> I was just having a good day you know <laughs> you're like awesome yeah I'm glad you had but it was really fun I felt like Oprah for the day yeah whatever, yeah you know? yeah it, it's it's a great thing and and now we can do these types of things whereas you know uh, and get really good people to attend uh, back in like 2013, when I started, I remember going to conferences and investor things and, and entrepreneurs would get up on stage and I was just like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is, it's not where it needs to be right now. Tragic. Well, it was rough. Yeah, it was rough. It was. And, and, but it, you know, so that was part, part of the inspiration for Canopy Boulder as well. Um, but, but yeah, so we met originally there. The mm-hmm. reason I bring this up is you've seen so much growth yeah. in this industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me about that a little bit. Like your organization certainly has evolved a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, the two companies that I interviewed today, I don't know if this is indicative of the rest of the cohorts, but they're both sort of ancillary, mm-hmm. not THC mm-hmm. stuff, yeah. you know, yeah. um, which allows their valuations mm-hmm. and their markets to be much, much bigger. How much are you thinking about that today? How focused are you on THC stuff? Yeah, yeah. So um, the quick answer is we are focused on it, but probably not in the way that people think. I mean, we look at the THC world, the state licensed businesses, the Canadian licensed producers and everything else around the world as um, sort of like this this early indicator for a bigger cannabinoid market. Um, and you know it's it does those the success in fundraising and the failures or the struggles of those companies definitely do impact the ancillary products and services and sort of cbd and hemp spaces where we've been focusing our investment uh dollars Mm -hmm. um and and so it's important to understand what their problems are where their struggles are what their motivators and incentives are um, but at the same time understand uh, how the business is going, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, how that impacts the companies that we're investing in. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
That was a very diplomatic answer you just gave, I think. I don't know. I mean, I think it's like, uh, that's what we, that's honestly what we think about okay. a lot. Okay. I mean, I can so, talk about valuations and so all that. California. We can, we can talk about valuations <laughs> and all. I mean, they've been cut in half, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think in many cases they're too high for one sole reason, which I want to talk about, which is the black market is eating legal cannabis alive. Yeah. There's estimates in California that 60 or 80% of, mm-hmm. of 80% of cannabis consumed yeah. is from the black market. Yeah. And when I hear things things like that, first of all, I feel like the data companies are culpable, mm. which we can talk about PDS mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. bit. But, but when I hear these things, I think to myself, like, did we just get it wrong? Did we not know there was so much black market? Is yeah. it still too early? What, what says yeah. you? What says no, you? you know, it's. I think it's 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 most about it, it, two things. Like it, it definitely speaks to the existing market development in those illicit markets, right? So you think about like when I think about California, I also think about New York City. Right. New York City has great, you know, very well established delivery services and, you know, that all exists. Um, So and then I think California, California, I think, is a is a very interesting case study in that. And I think you remember this when it was like 2016 and people were starting to talk about adult use legalization, it wasn't like everybody was on board. No. Not at all, right? And Especially it's, in California. Right, and, and and for good reason. You know, I, I put myself... I got hate mail, man. Oh, yeah, right? Oh, my God. I would do... It was awful. I would do stories about mm-hmm. legalization or Prop 64 and, like, mm-hmm. interviewing lawyers and stuff, and people would write me yeah. hate emails and yeah. be like, you're taking the food out of my family's yeah. mouths. And it's real. It's crazy. Yeah, it's and crazy. it's real, and I, I, if I put myself in their shoes, I would feel that same way times change things change but i mean remember think about this if you started a business and then for like 15 20 years you operated as you did and you were doing great and you're an expert and a master and then some you know government or comes in and says all right you got to do it completely different you know i don't know if i'm happening all over the place man yeah what if you were a taxi driver Totally, totally. Should we cry? Yeah. Should we be upset? You know. I mean, you know, suicide rates for taxi drivers is pretty high, but right? But see, there's such a viable option: become an Uber driver. They just have to evolve a little. Yeah, bit. you know, it, it, it is. It, it, there's there's a lot of nuance in there. It's it's, it's certain, certainly just these aren't simple. These aren't simple no questions. no. Unfortunately, they aren't. Yeah. But you know, when I compare what happened in California to what happened, at least my perception of what happened in Colorado, my experience. It felt like there, everybody was kind of on board mm-hmm. in Colorado. They're like, this is a grand opportunity. We've got some of the, led by some of the greatest minds in the industry. And we didn't have 15, 20 years of historical yep. businesses, not paying taxes, doing what they right. like, but supplying a very healthy market need. So I think, you know, California will get there and it will be better and we'll fix the taxes. They'll fix out the licensing and we'll get and normalize, but it's just going to take a little bit longer than I think people thought. Well, that's a very positive outlook. <laughs> but I think if you're one of the dozen firms that have put millions and millions and millions to work yeah. in California, mm-hmm. basically with the exception of a couple companies and you know who they are, mm-hmm. that money was wasted. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be one of those things where it just, it's taken longer. I mean, look, you know, there are folks, there are a lot of people in the cannabis industry in California and, um, 
you know, again, a lot of them have been in business for a long time. So they have a lot of passion about the plant and helping people. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, some, a lot of them are wondering what, what happened, you mm -hmm. know, and they're holding on and I think it'll just take time. It will. I mean, look, everybody dies eventually, right? Well, I, I, hopefully it's not on sort of generational scale, but it could be. It is. It no, could it be. It is. Look, I, I was born and raised in California. Mm -hmm. We've had a very robust medical system mm -hmm. since 1996. And way prior to that, I mean, that's where the deadheads were. Yeah. That's where, you know, early hip-hop comes from. Yeah. Like, hip-hop is, hip-hop, cannabis is synonymous with California, right? And so every day you've got this problem where it's like, well, my cousin can sell me this eighth for yeah. 30 bucks. Right. Or I can walk to MedMen and it's going to be 65. Right. Right. And how do you, yeah. how do you grapple with yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, hopefully with, you know, the power of the internet and the sort of availability of information that the licensed businesses can more clearly make an argument to consumers that uh, it's tested, it's free of pesticides or, you know, um, it's got a, it was made with living soils or something that differentiates where them from the illicit market operators that don't have that information. Look, I remember, God, what, it was a uh, HempCon. Didn't they do a bunch of testing of products after HempCon? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they found some super high percentage, like 80 plus percent of the products tested hot for um, pesticides. For everything. For everything. Yep. And in my, I remember reading that article with uh, somebody in my office and just being like, wow. I remember that exact percentage too. Yeah, and um, I said, yeah. not exactly medicine. Yeah. Which is, you know, one of the terms that we'd always hear, well, medicine, 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 yeah. when we were in California. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, I don't, I don't think those two compute. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> these are things that help consumers realize, well, that it's worth paying the market price and the legal market for it. But at the same time, look, we got a lot of things. These are growing pains, the taxes and things. And hopefully we're getting those things solved, right? Hopefully. Tell me, we're getting them solved. Well, Bennett. here's the issue. And this is my show, <laughs> so I can be outrageous if I want to be. California is uh, like living in a socialist republic. Um, Bernie Sanders should like put his face on the flag right because that's what it's like <laughs> living in california it's completely right. unbusiness friendly the uh, only reason we're so productive is because everyone's so goddamn smart yeah that they just overcome all of it. yeah and that's what's happening in california mm -hmm. uh the state is doing everything they can to make it super hard yeah for cannabis companies yeah um you know you know the thing it, it's Banking. just yeah it's yeah. mind-numbing mind you know it, it, it and they raised the taxes in california in 2020 now, look at what's oh. happened in the last two years and then explain to me, just from a business perspective, yeah. why you would, and, and that's why I still think we're still talking about a moral debate yeah. as much as we are in economic. Yeah, I feel this is all a process of working through the stigma that remains. I mean, someone was asking me the other day, why is it this way? Why is it that way? And I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. It is, and we just got to deal with it and one foot in front of the other yeah. because it, we are every day that another person comes in or makes buys a stock or you know tries a product for the first time we're moving closer to the end of prohibition mm -hmm. right and we're getting closer to a point where it's going to be normalized mm -hmm. and that's what we got to work we got to work for it's patience right patience 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 and um so i'm going to try to put myself in your shoes for okay. a moment because right. i know a lot about venture capital yeah yeah 
So this cuts two ways for you, right? Okay. The one way is you've got to help the companies survive that mm -hmm. you're already involved with. Mm -hmm. You're on the board of how many companies? Uh, a few. <laughs> a dozen. Yeah, we've made a lot of investments. We've made a lot of 130 investments. investments, maybe 114 companies. You're on a lot of boards. Yeah, we do a lot. So there has to be a lot of just survival mode mm -hmm. for some of these companies, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, all of the new companies, mm -hmm. well, they just had their valuations chopped in half. <laughs> Is that not true? Well, I would say that we are not investing in at the companies that have those. But what about the follow-ons? You know, like yeah, yeah. Do you, are you, you guys well, do any follow-on? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. sure right, sure. I so mean, you've been in work since the day one. Yeah, a bunch yeah, of companies like yeah, that. yeah, a bunch of them, yeah. and and. Um, what I'd say is that I think pretty consistently our companies are coming to market with re relatively fair valuations built on comparisons or comps from mainstream with a clear understanding of that there should be a discount or a premium applied. So we do spend a lot of time talking about valuation. We do look for comps in the mainstream. We do try to spot, speak to investment bankers who are in the transaction so that um, you know, what we're trying to do all the time is accelerate success, right? So if you go out with to market with a fundraise and evaluation that's like pegged against Canopy Growth Corp's top valuation ever, I mean, you're just wasting time. Yeah. Right. So let's, time, yeah. let, that's not accelerating. That's decelerating right. your, right, right. you know, the, the path, the, the journey between where you are today and where you want to be. Not to tomorrow. mention just asking for a down round too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're setting yourself yeah. up. I mean, so I don't know. I think, um, from the beginning, I you know we've never we, we watched that Canadian LP thing happen. And it was fun to watch. Yeah, it was fun to watch. I knew what was going to happen. And, and never would ever would I've banked on mm -hmm. those prices. Um, and it was great to understand how and why and who was driving it and what the impacts were on his great. Can accord, man. They're those very guys, active. They got to be so rich now. You know what? I think those. Uh, they did every one of them, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Every RTO. Yeah. Every IPO. I like, mean, they just nailed it. And yeah. bankers are transactional. You know them? Um, I actually almost took a job there like in 1998. Shut up, really? No joke. Yeah, it was a company preceded them, Adams, Harkness, and Hill. And anyway, they. Cool. they, they uh, I'd love to get them on the show. That's why they, Yeah, yeah. No, I can make an intro. Thank so you. they're fantastic. They know what they're doing, but bankers are transactional, right? I always say this, like people ask, someone asked me the other day, what's the difference between a venture capitalist and an investment banker? Mm -hmm. Or um, private equity. Yeah, or private equity. Yeah. Like uh, in, in venture capitalists, they're investing in and they're part of the journey, right? And the investment banker is standing between you and the finish line, typically saying, hey, I'll get you over this, right? It's like the football uh, analogy. It's easy to get into the red zone. It's hard to get into the end zone. Sure is. And they're, you know, they're like Marshawn Lynch. They are just going to pound through. I love these references. Thanks. And and pound through and get the ball over the end line yeah. and get the yeah. score. So and you need them. Do it by sheer will. Hell yeah. I mean, and they're pros. They understand. They don't have an emotion about it. Whereas like a venture capitalist has some emotion, like the founder's got a lot to. of emotion. Yeah. Because yeah. you got to survive. It's going to be a roller coaster. I think I'm too emotional to be a venture capitalist. It, I know. get so tied up with the founders. Maybe because we're often similar age. Too, yeah. I just like so. Yeah. You know, it it is. It's, it's a very emotional thing because yeah. and you see these you know, you work with these teams and these founders and you see how they change and how they grow and they turn into somebody who 
would be like biting their fingernails, you know, freaking out going into the conference room to somebody strolling in to the conference room, sitting at the table and feeling like they deserve to be there. So um, that's exciting and emotional and it's, it's, it is hard, but you know, you make enough of these investments, you start seeing the patterns, you know how to deal with things, you get more efficient at everything. And um, you know, you know when to sort of draw that line and be really frank with somebody about what's going on and uh, cut out the emotion. So when it comes to being frank, mm -hmm. it's really tough times for a lot of weed companies right now. Yeah. The, the industry, well, look, the, there's no reason to mince words. We're failing. Mm. I mean, it, from all directions. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe I have a little You're bit optimistic. of a rose here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, like, look, the report from... Uh, I'm not view. saying that the future is fucked. Yeah. I'm saying right now, if you put it in startup terms, mm -hmm. we've got a lot of stuff to work on. You and know? you know what? That's a thing. Like... You know, I think ArcView just put and BDS Analytics just put out uh, new numbers, like 38 to 45 percent growth or something like that year over year. That's insane. Like five billion in new sales um, counted. How does that compare to what the projections were? I think it's better. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Like, you know, it's like the whole Oklahoma conversation we were having. <laughs> you know, like, are you expecting, are you modeling 3% of the population to get cards like right away? I don't think I was. Yeah. Right. So it's I think we're still getting surprised. Illinois, they're still running out of product, yeah. right? They're having to ration sales. Yeah, but that seems just to be a cannabis dilemma. Yeah. In new markets, right? That well, yeah. I mean, always be hey, at least it's consistent. Like, we that's see true. that happen that's over true. and over. Yeah, and that's, that's motivating true. and that's inspiring. But, you're right. Like what you're talking about is, you know, are we, you know, anybody can get excited and these numbers are compelling, but if you can't make a profit, like, or you're struggling to make a profit when you're still growing and then you're in the, you know, in this big market, like that's where it's sort of a, and this is hard to give them credit back to what we we're talking about before. This was the huge fear mm -hmm. of the anti-corporatization or anti-legalization of cannabis. And we're kind of in this mm -hmm. weird middle ground mm -hmm. where from my perspective, the cannabis is more expensive due to taxes. Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases, it's not as good mm -hmm. as it was before because of overregulation and track and trace and mm -hmm. cultivation, yeah, yeah. supply chain. And yeah, all these you might not things, be as right? close to your farmer. And so we're in this situation where we're sort of paying more for less. Mm -hmm. And I think this is like the small grower's worst nightmare. Yeah, you know, it's like this. Are we all going to be smoking Bud Light? Like there literally was a company in New York that named their new pro roll Bud Light. And I was like, really, guys? Like, this is where we're going? This is what we're doing right now? Yeah, don't you ever, like, you hear that stuff? I'm sure you do. And you're like, I would love to be been in that room when they were, like, coming up with that idea and thinking they were, like, lighting the world on fire with these new creative ideas. I get all these PR emails. I'm sure you do, too, right? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yeah, we're launching today a brand new product line of pre-rolls, Bud Light. And I just responded. Nailed I, it. I know this woman. You know, she emails me all the time. Not to be named. And I just uh, responded, really? Yeah, really? Question mark? Like, yeah. Like, really? Yeah. I, more power to them. Yeah. I'm a capitalist. If you somebody know, wants I, to buy that. Yeah, you know what? And that's the thing is like, who knows? Maybe it'll blow up, be wildly successful, and Budweiser will be okay with it and not sue them six ways a Sunday. So, yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, look, we, in 2013, when we started looking at the cannabis industry, and I started going to all these conferences and literally taking out the consultants, the licensed consultants, and getting them drunk to yeah. hear all their stories yeah. and um, the it's truth that you have to get 
Yeah, right. Weed consultants drunk. Yeah, right. I, I wanted to get the truth out. I mean, they were all like, you know, this IRS code 280E thing, it's bigger than people realize. And people didn't even talk about it for a while. Yeah. They really, they didn't. Right. They were just like, oh, well, weed's going to be huge. So mm -hmm. we'll be huge mm -hmm. and it'll all be huge. Yeah. High tides rise all boats. I can't tell you how many times I heard yeah. that it's stupid. And, and it will. And it's just, it's just, they all, you really have to get the these fundamental issues out of the way irs code 280e essentially makes it very 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 difficult almost impossible for a lot of licensed businesses to turn profits if they are doing everything in compliantly they're paying their taxes and they're paying a fair wage to their employees and and that's what's painful i think for a lot of entrepreneurs and why we hear this this angst you know from so many people that we speak with because they're seeing some numbers go up and to the right, and then they're looking at the you know what they're left with at the end of the month, and they're like, Jesus, I, I didn't make any. I lost money. Mm -hmm. What the heck? This doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't make sense. Um, and there are some interesting uh, propositions on the table mm -hmm. about how to make that work mm -hmm. in California. The the best of which I was just talking to Joyce of Big Rock about this. Yeah. Uh, the the best of which is to keep the effective tax rate the same, but push it completely to the consumer. Interesting. So like the end mm -hmm. price of the eighth would be mm -hmm. the same, mm -hmm. but instead of the whole supply chain paying yeah. taxes, it yeah. would just be the end consumer. Yeah. Um, I think that's a way to make these companies a little more solvent. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, or survive, you know, something like that. Something's got to change. Something's got to change. Yeah. And that's why I say, and I hope it's not too dismal, but like if I was giving the cannabis industry a grade right now, mm -hmm. okay, maybe it's not F, but it's like C minus. Well, I mean, it, I think it's, 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 again, it all is sort of born out of the prohibition and, you know, the legislator's fears of, taxing it at a fair rate and not at some excessive rate. Um, but it's but also it like that was part of legalization too, yeah. is that, you know, we made these promises to spend the tax dollars on things like education and, uh, you know, uh, drug rehab and things that, you know, mental health, those are good things to spend money on. Right. Um, but it's a lot of money. So is it, Organized? Is there a conspiracy here to keep the industry the industry down, or are we just clumsy? You know, it's funny. After Colorado legalized, you know, we were very close with some of the advocates and legalization experts that were getting called to go to different states, and then we sort of chat with them when they came back and just you know network. And they were saying, like, what was it like? And they said, you know, that it was really crazy. If I had to sum it up in one phrase, you know, they constantly heard from these legislators in these states and counties and cities was that, that we don't want to do it like Colorado did. <laughs> and it was, it, and, they, and they were so hurt by that Well, statement. they should change that to California now. Well, because like, you know, we had this like healthy, um, you know, relatively well-working system that was growing and anyway, but that's sort of what you deal with on the tip of the, the, the front edge of the legalization front. So what do we know? Everything, you know, nothing's permanent and the regulations get looser and more business friendly yeah. every month. And we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. That's why I say I've, I've, I believe there's well, a light I'm in the tunnel. I'm optimistic too. Otherwise you couldn't be in this industry. Yeah. But, yeah. but currently if we're being real, it's not going so well. Um, I wouldn't, I would, I'd probably, if you, if you forced me to give somebody an F, I'd probably give it to those, 
those fear-soaked legislators. Let's talk about Lori Ajax. How about that? She's the cannabis czar in California. I've been talking shit on her for a while. I'm trying to get her on the show, but anyway. <laughs> I mean, hey, look, California ain't easy. You talked about it. Like, it's not even easy just at all. A normal business in California. And there's so many people, and it's so diverse, and oh, man. It really is a nightmare. So it's I, a thankless job. It is. But you know what? Somebody's got to be critical. You know, results matter. Results matter. Right, right. And for a long time, it's getting a little better, but in a long time, I feel like no cannabis company person wanted to say anything negative about any other cannabis person or company because there was this idea that, like, we need each other. Yeah. Like, that's bullshit. Like, yeah. there are good and bad products and companies in the 100%. world. And if you don't criticize the bad ones, the good ones don't rise to the top, right? You know, it, 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 we should be judging um, people... And products on their merits, yes. not on just their existence. Yes, yes. Or what celebrity they have backing them, or whether they have a one percent minority equity partner. You know, this stuff that effectively has not mattered. Yeah, yeah. The whole social equity thing. It's I think about it a lot, and I, I go back. You know, boy, oh boy, if we could just make it. If we didn't make winning a license like so hard and so expensive, yeah. I feel like. And, be, and, and we do that, or the, the legislators, the regulators do that because they're so scared of the product, and now they could turn, you know, create a zombie apocalypse or something ridiculous, make the sky fall. You know, we would have the perhaps these wouldn't be issues. Yep. I mean, I don't know. I can't say that cert, with a hundred percent certainty, but I just wish that we could experiment with that and see how it happened for people of color and women and people that don't have a stacks of cash and back to yeah but the problem is as hard as they tried to make it equitable Mm -hmm. the private equity new york guys came in and bought all those licenses anyway isn't it crazy i I, you know it blows my mind and and that that some of that stuff does happen where yeah like what you're saying is somebody gets a license and then there's all sorts of sneaky ways the investor gets control of it and or buys these people out and then they're just sitting on the cap table. They aren't, you know, they're not really running the business. You know, it's a man. It's aggressive. It's aggressive. Isn't it? It's aggressive. I mean, it's kind of fun. It's kind of sharky. It's It's fun. If you do what I do, you know, I have fun for you, what you do. Well, I love what I do. Yeah. So I can see that. But, but you know, it's funny talking to these folks who run the MSOs, the multi-state operators in the United States and the people who are in charge of like M&A or corporate development or whatever you want to call it. And I remember talking to one of them. He's a good friend of mine, great guy. And I said, what do you, what do, you do all day? <laughs> and because he's constantly on his phone. He's like, he's like, man, I'm just playing Monopoly. Yeah. I'm selling Illinois Ave and buying Park. And that's I'm so selling fun. because that's what the, the lot of the MSOs have been doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're seeing a shift now in what uh, the investor community wants them to do. It's not just about acquiring licenses and having a footprint. It's like, can you run them? As can a you business, make money. Yeah, yeah. Can you make some money? What a novel idea! God, then in know. a business, you would make money. Yeah, not your companies. Your no. companies are making yeah, money. They yeah, just told me. Yeah, people are, we're doing well. The companies are doing well. Um, but you remember a lot. Of, a lot of the big when we're talking about these investors on Wall Street, usually they're distressed asset investors, mm-hmm. people that were in hedge funds or distressed real estate. Yeah, they're calling me right now. Yeah, and they're looking at things very differently than... They're like, of, shit's really cheap now, right? Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, you look what you did. Um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, look, that's where it's sometimes it's nice to come in uh, in the second wave or, 
you know, um, buy buy licenses. Uh, you know, not not buy way. for to win one, but buy one on the secondary. My market. family's in real estate development mm-hmm. for like forty years, mm-hmm. and there's a, a saying that in a luxury hotel, like a five star hotel, the third owner makes money. <laughs> I love that stuff. Because you just, it's so hard. Yeah. You know? It's just so yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Third as much as I love Good one. founders and the beast mode Marshawn Lynch willpower <laughs> to get over the goal line, unfortunately, in this industry, we need government help. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that we're going to start to change stuff. Yeah. Um, so, I want to talk about the upcoming election. Mm-hmm. Um, we can start with the inflammatory question, which is how you feel about Trumpito. <laughs> start there. Because all questions beyond that. You know, yeah, yeah, right. From this one, <laughs> I'm going to pivot off that one. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, I remember when he was elected in 2016. I was actually in Berkeley, in the Bay Area, and uh, and I remember somebody was like, wild. "Well, yeah, it was wild because I woke up at like four in the morning because people were already protesting yeah. down uh, yeah. whatever avenue yeah. that went yeah. right." I mean, it was like. <laughs> it's like it's official and they're out campaigning yeah, you know yeah. like they like slept over like they were oh yeah, like, yeah waiting yeah, for it Star was Wars. awesome but it was like you know 50 percent of people were clearly disappointed 15 percent were 50 percent were ecstatic and then 100 percent of people were totally shocked i don't think anybody predicted so, that well trump was shocked yeah i think so he didn't i mean expect to win no way yeah so i i you know, it's uh, it's been a very interesting. You didn't uh, answer the question, though. You know, a bunch of years to observe what's going story, on. But... Thanks. I'm not a big fan. Yeah. Yeah. Me um, I, and actually, traditionally, I'm more of a conservative than I'm a liberal. Yeah. But like socially, I'm very liberal. Obviously, yeah, yeah. I like weed. I like yeah, drugs. Yeah, yeah. You know, but but fiscally, I'm pretty conservative, and so I should kind of like conservative Republicans. But he's just such a fucking jack off that I can't. <laughs> I, I, you know, who could like him? Who could like him? But aside from that, so we can Look, start there. You're not a Trumper. No, no, but I'm not. But I mean, um, I did meet um, when I was in Hong Kong, a guy that grew up with him. Okay. And spent a ton of time with Trump. Okay. And uh, man, he, I mean, he had photos and on his phone and stories of him and like crazy. It was like a very interesting time. And uh and I started asking, like, like well, at what, what you, age did he hang out? With? It was like in the sort of teens to uh-huh, uh-huh, thirty, uh-huh. right? So he was in the mix yeah. with him when he was doing all the things that he's doing. So um, he said, you know, the thing about him that people don't maybe they don't really see, but they don't really realize they know, but they haven't accepted is that the guy just is uh, he doesn't he doesn't like to lose. He will do anything to win, like anything, no well, shame, clear, yeah. no remorse, no second thought. Um, all he cares about is, is winning. And he, and, you know, like he says that, you know, he's like, we're going to win so much. You're going to hate winning. Like it's <laughs> a, you hear that and you're like, Oh my God. Was I that your Trump impression? Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I could, I'll, I'll, yeah, I've got a better one, but, uh, um, but okay. yeah, like that's, so, that's the framework, right? So do you believe like some, that he may try to use cannabis as to manipulate his potential voting base, like to say, 100%. "Hey, at the end, like, oh yeah, weed's legal now." Hundred percent, hundred percent, folks. Like, come yeah, hundred percent. Again, if we start with an understanding that he'll do anything to win, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, and it, he certainly doesn't hate cannabis. That's clear. Yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, he'll do it. Yeah, you, you know, whether it's 
right before or dangle it out there for after. I don't know Whatever, what the yeah. best. But you think that's it could definitely gonna happen. happen. I don't know if it will happen, it but I would not. Yeah. It's not I something I'd be like, no, 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 that in, won't happen. In some ways, like, what does he have to lose by doing it? He, Do you think his team is going to be upset about that? No. Well, I mean, I it's all money. Man, let's look at Oklahoma. <laughs> it's all business, you know. Oklahoma, man. Yeah. And wasn't wasn't one of the Ukrainian guys, Lev, or the other guy? Or, I thought there was some connection. Maybe it was through the Kushner family and some investments that they were trying to win a license. I think it was That's the definitely true. Lev Parnas And guy. as they should, their last name is Kushner. <laughs> <laughs> They're made for this yeah, business. They They're made for it. Oh, come on. They're definitely getting high. Ivanka's definitely fucking getting high. Let's just look at her. She's getting high. Anyway, and Boehner's on the board of oh my god, acres god. Board of yeah acreage Boehner man you know what i welcome all welcome no, all I love into it. the party I, that's the best example for me of like yeah how this industry can encompass everyone and everything like, it's john so fucking Boehner like, yeah you know yeah you know again every person that you know comes into the industry for whatever motivation or buys a stock or whatever uh moving us closer that's true Dude, you are so optimistic. <laughs> if Eric was here, he'd be like, stay positive. <laughs> That's Eric's shit. That's funny. I love Eric. Hey, um, Eric. Shout out to Eric. Yeah. Eric's doing the real work at home. Yeah, right. Out here having fun. Um, so I'm in the camp of anybody but Trump. Mm -hmm. I really am. I'm there. Mm -hmm. Even if that means Lizzie Warren yeah. or Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. Bernie. <laughs> Bernie. The Bern. And look, I, I'm not a socialist, mm -hmm. but I believe that they represent some degree of dignity mm -hmm. that's beyond politics. Sure. Right? Okay. Sure. So put aside who has a chance to win. Yeah. Let's just talk about it in terms of cannabis. Yeah. Who's the best candidate for weed? You know, I, Brandon, I don't know right now. I mean, and, and I'm not going to dig into that too deeply until we get... Um, closer to decision time mm -hmm. because my experience is uh, that politicians uh, change mm -hmm. and they have what do they always say that my opinion's been newly informed or I've evolved you know like or flip-flop <laughs> whichever side of the aisle you're yeah, on yeah right know? right right um, so you know what it doesn't matter right now um, until we're getting really close you, to vote. Do you voting. intend to endorse a candidate? Is no, that right? I don't. I don't or? think. I don't think it's my role nor no my cares, place. Yeah. To, no, I don't think many people care what <laughs> my opinion is. My kids do. My but, daughters but are always might be like surprised because you represent, you know, the industry in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, you know, my uh, a good friend of mine who's uh, P and I respect a lot is a guy named Michael Hutner. And he was one of the people who was at the first meeting with, you know, Jared Polis and the head of the MPP and Wanda when when they were talking about legalizing cannabis in Colorado. So Michael is is somebody I respect a lot, and uh, he just came out and endorsed uh, Bloomberg. Okay. So I haven't read into his position paper yet. I haven't had the time. He has a position paper on cannabis. Yeah, he had a whole post. I mean, he published a book. It was like 47 ways to, you know, uh, counteract Trump or something like that. I mean, he's very politically focused. 36 of them start with stop and frisk, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so he's, uh, 
I, I got to dig into his thinking, but I do look to others who are spending more time in that space than I am uh, to help guide. Sure, my and I'm not research, either. Research, right? I'm not either. I solely play on the business side. Yeah, like I'm yeah. I mean, you know, and when you know when people start talking about investing and valuations, I'll be like, yeah, yeah. You yeah, want to hear my opinion? That's relevant. Let's yeah. talk um, because I live but, and breathe that. But it does have to be something that people bring up to you, um, which yeah. brings into my next question, which is, how do the LPs feel right now? Um, pretty good. Yeah. But, I mean, ours are fine. You know, ours are pretty happy. I would say. Mm. You know, I did field a couple calls from LPs that were like they were like, okay, what's what's our thinking mm-hmm. on this and that uh, when the Canadian LP stock prices were falling, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I'll, they I'll talk about that. Some of that too. Yeah, you know, maybe they had, you know there are a lot of investors that had some money locked up in the Canadian licensed producers or even in some of the MSOs and start to see then their stock prices falling, share prices falling, then struggles to raise capital. And then now we're talking about, you know, asset valued, enterprise value. Like these are, wow, okay, cool. Uh, new conversation. Um, but I feel like, again, like back to uh, look what they created, uh, sort of the, you know, no one forced anyone to invest in to these companies' astronomical valuations. Agreed. and. I've never, and we've never said that those were valuations that we believed in to anyone and never used them necessarily as proxies for anything that we were doing. So I maybe... Some people through, did, though. Yeah, certainly. A lot did. of people did. Yeah, hell of a lot of people did. Yeah. So for our LLPs, they're they're good, and I welcome all the calls well, and hear. talk to them. But yeah, no, I know some of them are invested in licensed businesses or brands that were raising, you know, maybe they're doing like $4 million in sales, and they're raising at a $60 million pre-money. And there's just no comps that I'm aware of in any mainstream industry, consumer products industry, that you're going to get that. Um, Forget consumer products. How about just ag? Yeah. You know, one and a half X times EBITDA yeah. is generous in an ag business. Like, yeah, yeah. And, right? and yeah, and even like we were talking about uh, e-commerce um, the other day and how that compares to SaaS. And I was like, you know, e-commerce, a lot of these businesses trade hands for one-time sales. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Top line. Yeah. So yeah. you'll look and see in our portfolio, there ain't a lot of e-commerce companies. Right, right. Um, because but, there's no barrier to entry. It's so it's so easy to start. Right? And the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is not what we're looking for. Our investors want. So you know, but we will invest in. in what do you mean by that? Say that again. The, there's no the pot of gold at the end of the size of the pot of yeah. gold at the end of the rainbow. Is it is, big enough? Isn't going to be big enough? Okay. You know. So. But for some, it is right. I mean, if you use well, if the, you're a founder and you yeah. don't take on money and you can grow your e-commerce business to ten million bucks and you own hundred percent, you can find somebody that takes it off your hands, like. So how do you feel about these marketplaces that are popping up all over the place? Yeah, like uh, the, you know, we were invested in a couple of them, you know, like an Apex Trading or a Leaflink. Leaflink, yeah. Um, I think Ryan's going to be on the show again. Yeah, he's, sharp yeah. guy. Yeah, sharp really guy. sharp. He's been on the show before, but really sharp. Really doing, doing good work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those have, you know, there's some sort of like network effects there. So they're not sort of just straight e-com, right? Mm-hmm. So they have different valuation metrics. They can get people in with subscription fees and that's what they need to do now. Yeah. So are you a, you're probably a SaaS, a modified SaaS yeah, yeah, valuation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right? they are, they're a SaaS. Right? And so, you know, somebody like LeafLink was doing, you know, picking up so much business mm-hmm. and they have a good market share. 
you know, in that sort of eight to 12 times revenues range, you see a lot of SaaS businesses trading you know hands I've, for. You know what I found fascinating? There is yet to be a viable competitor to LeafLink. Do you agree with that? It's a hard business. It's a hard, but I'm, I mean, there have been several that have tried. There's a lot but of people really, that are there trying. Is, there is no number two, basically. Yeah, there, there's... um. There are some out there. Maybe they just don't get the headlines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they got their heads down and are grinding it out and growing every mm-hmm, month. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we're, we're invested in Apex Trading and John Manlove is a rock star and he is doing and, everything right. And why did you do that? I don't, I don't know about it. Tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, John, um, John rose from the ashes of Tradev. Okay. He was like an employee. Amazing. He was like a sales a salesman. What a story. And he was just like, you know, Tradev didn't work out. And he was like, man, um, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not ready to be done. So there's nothing left. He went out and found a team, raised different, separate money. And um, he's was doing he doing well. it with Jeff at the time, too? Were they still continuing on? Uh, no. 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 Okay. Because, no. you know, Jeff does a yeah. beverage company. Yeah. Van Duran. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... But yeah, I mean, and last time I, I saw Aaron, he was like doing Bible things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got an incredible faith. Um, he really does. Super. Yeah. I mean, it really does. Strong. Walk the talk. So, um, but you know, I think that there's challenges to the model, specifically in that you can't, if you're dealing in like state licensed cannabis THC products, um, you can't take a percentage of the sale, right? And uh, you can, so you can you're missing out on a lot of upside you know the model for taking the percentage versus a monthly fee they're like night and day so a lot of that work that business is you know managing your expense base you got you know making sure you're bringing in consistent revenues people are paying you on time that's becoming something that people are realizing it sure is yeah late pay even if you're a software business so um but it's it's a lot harder than people think um, and yeah, LeafLink is doing great things, but you know, I'm sure they have their moments too, where they're you know frustrated beyond. What's the company with the biggest valuation you can talk about in your portfolio? Well, that well, we've got three companies that are um, rocking along with pretty big valuations. I can't name them. Yeah, but they are. What the size of them. They're big. They're big, like Front Range Biosciences. BDS analytics work, the payroll processing mm-hmm. firm. Um, and then, you know, you know, Weller is, you know, they're in our office to the CBD infused sparkling beverage. They are just slaying it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're year, they're like a year ahead of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us lap in the field right now. Mm-hmm. So we got some good ones. Yeah. 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 That's exciting. Um, we're, you know, getting close to that. You know, some of them are getting close to that hundred million dollar mark. Of the ones that didn't work, mm-hmm. obviously there's a number of them that didn't work. Yeah. Is there a pattern? Yeah. 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 There always is. Um, there's a combination. Usually it's bad luck, um, sort of unforced founder error, and um, in sort of uh, a business pra- practice or process, and then um, underestimating the uh, the challenges that they'll face in the industry, whether it's fundraising or locking in those big clients, um, we see a lot. We like to see founders who have done uh, they've they've turned the wheel of the business, like they've charged somebody something to see 
what happens, mm-hmm. you know, because you never know, like when you're building something until you start saying, all right, here it is. Here's the invoice. Um, so one of the really thing, interesting things that I think has developed in this industry is there's far less what I would call like pure innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people far too closely mapped it to technology. I would agree. I and agree. it's not that industry, right? Yeah. This is an ag or CPG industry, yeah. right? It has different set of valuations, mm-hmm. whole thing. Everything is mm-hmm. different, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the, I think, unfortunate side effects of this is there are very, very few angel investors left mm. in this industry. Mm. And that's because there was a whole bunch of excitement around well, can I invest early in this? And mm-hmm. can I get the brand right or this vape right or whatever? Yeah. And now that we're in this sort of more mature chapter, mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. of all, do you agree with that statement? Well, yeah, no, no. And thank you for asking. Um, you know, I, th- I think the one thing that's consistent with fundraising in the industry, and like we've got 115 companies yeah, out there doing done it. it a lot. So yeah. we see a lot of the, you know, the ebb and the flow. Yeah. And like when Trump was elected, we were in a flow state and it went to ebb, right? And then like a month or two later, it started picking back up. We're seeing more flow of capital. And then Jeff Sessions re- re- recalled the coal memo. Yeah. Ebb, right? Like, so it's- Which the, actually meant nothing, but yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, so I don't get too worried when things slow down or there's a perception that they're slowing down because, you know, so far, there, that ebb is followed with more flow. Uh huh. Uh huh. So uh, maybe I'm being uh, too. Uh, that was very general. General. Um, my, so my my point is, we still have a large number of angel investors that we're in touch with that are actively writing checks. There are more venture capital firms in the industry than ever before. But firms, see, that's the mm-hmm. difference, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, there are more funds than mm-hmm. ever, mm-hmm. but just the guys writing twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah. Checks, you know? Well, and that's interesting too, Brandon, because you know it's changing their like the um, the micro ventures type sites, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're slaying it, doing well. Yeah, yeah, they're seed invest. Yeah, seed invest for public. So all maybe those. the the retail investor mm-hmm. has matured enough that they know they need help. Yeah, and so they're they're giving money to yeah, you. Yeah. They're giving money to yeah. seed invest. Yeah, whatever. yeah, 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 yeah. And I think they're which is how every other industry. Look, I mean. Sometimes investing, if you're an angel investor and you're, you sort of open your doors to cannabis, it's like going to the cheesecake factory or like picking up the remote in the middle of the night and like trying to choose, you know, what's your entree going to be of like 300 options yeah. or like what channel are you going to watch over a thousand? Even what you choose, you're not sure is the right choice. Yeah. There's like the, the too many options. Like, Well, that's the fun part about what you do. Right. So filtering them down, um, I think is, is look, we thought that, that from the beginning that would um, increase the probability of a successful fundraise. We've seen that happen. So we're just continuing to do it and do better every time. But I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, angel investors still out there. They're just being a little more selective or they saw like their, their, their broker account where they had all their Canadian stocks, you know, come down significantly that that'll like, that'll slow your roll. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that slows things down pretty quick. Absolutely. Yeah. The cam industry is hurting now and the economy hasn't even turned. Right. Imagine what's going to happen then, you know? Yeah. You know, God, you know, we've had such an incredible run 
uh, in this uh, economy. But even if it's 2021, whatever, whenever it comes, yeah. like, is the weed industry going to be in a good enough place by then that? Well, yeah. so it's a great question because you immediately think, like, what can you comp to? So if you look at uh, beer sales, mm -hmm. right? Um, cannabis industry is taking a bite out of beer sales, but in down economies, beer sales really don't fluctuate that much. Yep. Nor do natural products. Well, we're going to find out how uh, recession immune, recession resilient, resilient, resiliency. Whatever word you want to use. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. But it, doesn't that lend itself to the Bud Lights of the world? <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. See, these guys are genius, right? <laughs> like, what do we Get know? Get them on the phone. Yeah. Let's call You're these guys. Writing checks. Yeah. All right. My wallet stuff. is open. Um, I want to touch on just a couple more topics here. Uh, Vapegate was a big, big part of last year. Yeah. And there was a lot of headlines. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fear mm -hmm. over what I think is a very small number of incidents mm -hmm. from mostly illegal products. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. my submission mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. But what are the lasting effects there? What does that mean for your business? I think in terms yeah. of the data, people kind of gravitated a little bit towards edibles or a little more towards flowers. Yeah. How much do you think about that? Well, I, I think first off, it was interesting to see how everyone reacts mm -hmm. in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, some people immediately push back on social media and, they, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, and some people, I remember there was uh, an article in one of the trade journals or whatever newsletters and uh, they had all these people in these companies saying you know I don't really think this is going to impact vape sales mm -hmm. and I was like, you've got to be kidding me yeah. when it lands on the cover of USA Today yeah, and yeah, the yeah. governor of Massachusetts yeah. is like ban I mean it's going to have yeah, an impact yeah, yeah. so like I love this stuff because it, it helps you understand where everybody stands and that's nice. And how they react to how stuff. How they react to things. Yeah. And it's an it's a coaching point and teaching point, learning point for even our entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, if they, you know, start minimizing or, you know, whatever, you know, we have an opportunity, I have an opportunity to step in and say, Hey, 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 like like don't react right away. Sleep on this. See how things develop because you never know what tomorrow brings. And we didn't know early on what the real cause was. We had sort of a sense people were talking about the vitamin E acetate and, and that seemed to make sense. But there were all these stories like, you know, Uncle Jim, you know, he never smoked weed in his life. And he did love that, you know, that jewel pen, you know, so. <laughs> but we started seeing things and, and um, I, what, the what last, accent was that? Where, where I don't know. I, I spent a lot of time in the South, so uh, <laughs> it's an aggregation. But I think the re the well, you're, you're getting your question. What's the remnants? What's what's going to last? I think we will have a bit of a residue um, on vaping um, that will drive safety, mm -hmm. which I think is a good thing, mm -hmm. and it will force people to think about the fillers, the additives, force them to think about their device, um, and it's an opportunity for people that are doing good work to win and. Uh, distance themselves from the folks that are just slinging it right i think another another residue or remnant of the vape gate will be a focus on kids and it brought that issue to the surface and um look i mean we don't want to punish kids um, kids make mistakes but at the same time you know we need to encourage uh legal use and responsible use so 
Um, if that if it gets the conversation going around vaping and kids, great. Um, you know, I have that conversation with my kids. I have a daughter who's in seventh grade, and right, right in the and middle what of school. Do you say? Yeah, well, we talk about it, and you know, I say, you know, we're now starting to hear doctors and clinicians come out uh, and say, look, you know, FDA, don't take this out of our our tool belt for getting people off smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so now we're having some cooler heads conversations, and 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 that's. That's uh, that's positive, and it makes me feel better about the future. What does she think about what you do? It's an interesting thing. Um, she's high. She's highly intelligent. Um, well, look at you. Obviously, uh, her mom must be really smart. Yeah, her mom's really good looking. Yeah. So that's helpful <laughs> too. Um, so I think you just called your daughter hot. <laughs> We're not going there. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not uh, not the Trump. No. You know, she's super intelligent, so she has really thoughtful questions, and she's very curious. And we do talk about these things, but you know, it's 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 uh, what I what what I've learned is that no matter what I tell her, uh, when I tell her, I need to do it again and again and again because there needs to be like yeah. reinforcement repetition. So, for any other parents out there communicating with their kids about this stuff, it's good to be clear. And, and you know, open and conversational, and it's not a big deal. So I think it's fascinating because look, the law says twenty-one, mm-hmm. but we can't honestly sit here and and think that that's a real age, right? No. Um, when is an acceptable age? Ugh. You know, I mean, if your daughter comes home in three years mm-hmm. and smells like weed, yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah. We'll have a conversation. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. You seem like a good dad. Yeah. Start with have a conversation. Yeah. There's a lot of dads out there that just get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's look, I mean, I have these conversations just because of my role with a lot of my friends who are parents with their kids and, and they ask the same questions. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, there's a couple two points I consistently make. It's, you know, say, look, it's not healthy for their brain development. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that you don't want them they don't want to be doing it i mean this this isn't great um the second thing is i'd rather i mean it's it's not like um going out drinking a six pack of beer and getting behind the wheel of the car right um it's not about you know drinking a you know case of uh beer and then going out and getting in fist fights um so if you are forcing me to choose yes what what I would prefer, it'd probably be cannabis, yes. honestly, because, yes. you know, alcohol is way more dangerous yes. than cannabis. And, you know, again, this crazy stuff that we have to deal with, the laws and the regulations and, you know, treating it like kryptonite or nuclear material. That's just new, though. And like I said at it's the beginning of the interview, everyone dies eventually. They do. We do. And, you know, sometimes that's what is required for change. And, you know, the older we get, hopefully the wiser we are. Hopefully, but, you know, some people, that doesn't work that way. Yeah. 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 Um, well, that's kind of a good transition. I want to talk just a little bit about you. All right. To get out of here. Uh-huh. We talked about your family a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You've been in the industry since it's been an industry, give or take. Yeah. 2013 is when I started. There, We stand on the shoulders. There was giants. medical. Yes. But, like... I, yeah, I don't want to go there. Yeah, yeah, you've been in a long time. Yeah, yeah. How um, how has your personal relationship with cannabis evolved? Yeah, no. Um, my story around why cannabis is 
around my health and wellness. I was getting sick and having to go on antibiotics and, and I couldn't deal, my immune system was really not functioning. And uh, after a lot of work and seeing a lot of different uh, doctors and practitioners, it was we, just, we found it was sleep. I wasn't sleeping enough. Mm-hmm. So I told one of my buddies. How much and, were you sleeping? Like you know, five hours? Yeah, maybe like five hours. Yeah. And it was like inconsistent too. Yeah. So I couldn't yeah. get into a pattern. Yeah. But I was riding my bike up, doing hundred mile bike rides and climbing mountains and snowing. Yeah. But but I, I just I would so I was wearing myself down. And I told my buddy that uh, the doctor given me, you know, sleeping pills and they were totally working. He's like he's like, You don't need that, you need an indica. And I was like what's an indica again and he's like just you wait and your doctor said this no this is my one of my cycling buddies so the next time we were out biking he brought me a little you know the little cartridge Mm a film cartridge Mm of um and this is 2012 2010 yeah Yeah, i was probably around there and i you know i casually used sure and loved it and but just you know either through availability or busyness or something else life yeah but then I had a reason, and he got me this indica, and I slept like a baby. Do you remember what it was branded? Do you remember who it was? No, I don't. I remember. I remember where I bought, where it came from, um, and you know what? I go back to that store still today. Interesting, hundred percent. See, my original vape uh, was AVX from Canacraft, mm-hmm. and I rocked that shit all the time, everywhere. Well, I know the company. I know the dispensary where it came from. Oh, you do? Yeah, it was called The Green Room, and okay. it was in Boulder, Colorado. Now it's uh, been rebranded, okay. new ownership. I still go there, and those guys cool. are great. Yeah, That's cool when you find your little home. Yeah, yeah, you know, they know me, and we talk, Men, and you know. we catch up, and I ask them, like, what's working, what's selling, what's not. Yeah. Like, we, that's we, very we valuable. Have a, we have good conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's cool. So... At the end of obviously you don't get high all day. I can see that. At the end of a hardworking day. What do you mean? How do you know? Week, How do we know? Because I get high all the time, so I know <laughs> You're like, people I know. are high. Yeah. I can see I it. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's your adept impressions. That's how I. Yeah, know. maybe that's maybe that's At the because end of this, I'm you're going to give us the Trump. Yeah, right. Trump impression. Tremendous. We're going to make its own clip and yeah. we'll send that to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What the fuck was I talking about? Uh, your own personal experience. So yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. or at the week, sleep. How do you? What do you smoke? How do you? What? How do you consume? What are you into? Yeah, yeah. Um, a combination of uh, vaping and uh, edibles. Yeah. Nightly. Yeah, yeah. To sleep. Cool. Hundred percent. See, I think. Look, obviously, you don't have to consume cannabis to be in this industry. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people that don't. But the people that don't, I'm kind of like. Why are you in this industry? It's kind of confusing for me. You know, it, it, I, I. It's met, not a judgment. I no, just I totally know. Me. I met somebody the other day, and they were like, "You might be surprised, but I don't consume." And they were like new into the industry, and I. Did I'm he, just like, did he have a suit jacket on? Yeah, I'm just like sometimes I'm like, uh huh, like setting the watch. Yeah. You know, yeah. until it's like, well, yeah, I kind of, you know, I think that. Um, Sometimes early entrance into the industry, there's this concern or feeling they need to have a cover uh, because they just don't know that they're just not awoke, yeah. woke into yeah, 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 yeah. the pre- prevalence. Yeah. And Stay woke. Stay yeah, woke. They're, 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 so I'm patient with them. Oh, I agree. Okay, cool. They'll get there. They'll find, and that's the cool thing about cannabis is there's something for everyone in it. Uh-huh. There really is. I have a reasonably conservative 
Orange County, California dad. He's been an entrepreneur his whole life, yeah. all about money. When I got into this industry, he was nervous about it. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't get fucked up or anything. But, you know, he's found his little place. Yeah. He's got some CBD topicals. Yeah. He needs help sleeping, yeah. just like you were talking about. 100%. And it just makes me realize there there is something even for John Boehner, you yeah. know? Like yeah. Or my everybody. dad, who has, dad. like, yeah. arthritis in his yeah. hand. Yeah. And he's now a disciple mm-hmm. for his CBD creams. Mm-hmm. He's an ambassador. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Patrick, this was so fun. Thank you for having us. It is awesome. How can our audience help you? What can we do for you? Um, you know, the uh, one of the hardest things for us uh, in our business is finding entrepreneurs who are really worthy of the energy and the investment um, that we put into them. So um, speak the good word. Mm-hmm. Um, we really try to do what we say and lead with giving and, and, and live up to the, the promise of an accelerator in the cannabis industry. So if you, these people, the people listening, if they know an entrepreneur, they know somebody who would just, who's like needs a little, like, and you know, they, they don't want to do it alone or they need a little motivation. They want to know that there's others out there that have expertise in that sort of early stage and they want to help. Let them know. Let them know about Canopy Boulder. Yeah. They can come to canopyboulder.com and engage with us and reach out to me on Twitter or wherever, social wherever, media. Yeah. And, and uh, we're very, we're, we're an open door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you have to be. Yeah. You can't underestimate anyone. That's what I learned. Yeah, you really can't. You know, I've been around a lot of accelerators, a lot of incubators. I helped start the launch incubator yeah. in San Francisco. It's so fun, but it's really, really hard. Yeah. And uh, thanks for doing it, man. Yeah, man. It's cool.